are we really free in a world where we pay such a great price for freedom we still seem to be prisoners of ourselves our behaviors self-destructive habits fears enslaving emotions violent tempers secret addictions and more in this message free to be me we learn how to be free from compulsive and controlling behaviors be blessed your bible please hold it high up in the air and say this out loud and strong and bold with me this is god's word this is god speaking to me i am what god says i am i can do what god says i can do i will become everything god has promised i'm saved healed delivered redeemed i am blessed victorious prosperous triumphant i'm a minister of god a servant of christ and a channel of his blessing to many people i receive his word i believe his word and i live by his word christ is my master and to him i am in absolute surrender in jesus name amen god bless you, you may be seated please On these three big Sundays, which started last Sunday, uh, our theme is talking is about freedom, free at last, being free, and we continue on this theme this morning as we talk about being free to be me, being free to be who God has designed us to be, being free to. being all that god has created us and designed us you know we we take a lot of pride in our freedom or our independence and sometimes we think you know freedom means that i just get to do whatever i want to do and nobody questions me or asks me uh, i just keep doing whatever i feel like doing but we said last sunday you know that's a wrong understanding of freedom because you talk to a person who just goes on doing whatever they want to do eventually they end up finding themselves as slaves to some things in their lives and they're no longer free so we understood freedom last sunday as we talked about what is freedom freedom really is the ability to choose what is right and the ability to refuse what is wrong and that is intact we are really free when we lose this ability we've lost freedom the ability to choose what is right and and refuse what is wrong if our will becomes enslaved to something that drives us or a form of compulsive behavior or so on we've lost our freedom and so we said that there are many everyday things in life that we don't really pay attention to that are actually enslaving us we talked about the cell phone you know every 6 minutes or so you got to check your phone like the world revolves around that phone <laughs> sometimes even in service your phone vibrates immediately what's happening you know maybe the president sent me a message or something <laughs> it's like we are so enslaved to this little device and we don't realize that there's things like this that actually control us and you know some of us may have 
with the prog progression of time, you look back and say, you know, maybe five years ago I wasn't like this. Ten years ago this was not me. And if things have gone good, that's great. But if things have taken a turn for the worse and, and you are in a worse state today than where you were five years ago, ten years ago, then that's not good. You probably lost so much of freedom in an attempt to live a life that's free. Compulsive, controlling behaviors can come up at any time and any, any place in life. Nobody's excluded from this. We talked about several kinds of things that would enslave us. Whether it's our work or our obsession with our looks or with being obsessed with accomplishments, accumulation of things. Or whether it's uh, entertainment and compulsive watching of television or movies and, or video gaming or shopping or social media. So many, kind of, so many things that seem not so threatening but actually en end up enslaving us. So this morning we want to talk about freedom from addictive behaviors, compulsive behaviors, things that control our behavior, our lifestyle, the way we live, how can we be free from those things? But let's sort of understand the problem. Why and how do we get enslaved? All of us. Why is it that we end up as slaves? There are some reasons that we could think of. And sometimes we begin with this idea that everybody is doing the same thing. So it's, it's acceptable. So I also can do it. We start doing it that way. Because it's socially acceptable. And, and uh, it comes in so many different forms. For example, social drinking. You know, just one glass, one peg, won't, won't hurt so much. And so, you, you know, you just start drinking. And then before long, you find yourself a slave. And slave to this. And like this, there are so many other things that affect us. Think about live-in relationships. So many young people today. And the moment you get into the call center, it's like, that's the trend. Boys and girls just living together. And it's like, hey, that's what everybody does. I do it too. And before you realize it, you become part of something that you feel so difficult to get out of. Extramarital affairs. Believers. Working in the offices and corporates. Get involved and then they just can't pull out because you think everybody's doing it is okay. Sometimes it's because of peer pressure. You feel compelled to get into such things. Sometimes it's an expression of our rebellion. I want to show my parents that I'm really in charge. So out of that sense of rebellion, you actually become a slave. You're not being free. Sometimes it's a status symbol. Now everybody who reaches this level in their professional life has to do these kinds of things. So you're forced into something that actually ends up enslaving you and I. Sometimes it's a search for excitement. Life gets a little boring. So you want something exciting. You're married to the same person 25 years. It's time to whatever. Some sense of excitement that moves people in and and then before you realize it, you end up in bondage. But all of these things, we need to call sin by its name. 
Sin not only destroys us, it affects our relationship with God. It sends us to an eternal destiny, a place called hell that separates us from God eternally. And in this life, sin becomes a master, it enslaves us. The Bible tells us very clearly that sin actually enslaves. And Hebrews 12:1, for instance, says, Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares. Sin may seem pleasurable for a moment, but it's a wicked trap. It holds us captive. Another reason why we could put down why we get enslaved is because as human beings, we are prone to seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. We want to do things that give us pleasure. We always return to our place of pleasure. We always seek immediate gratification. That's just fallen human nature. And so we do things that bring us immediate pleasure, but we don't think of the consequences. We don't think of the long-term effects of our actions. And in so doing, we end up as slaves. Or we want to escape tension. We want to avoid pain. We want to escape pressure. So you ask somebody, you know, why are you smoking? He says, you know, the stress is so much. This helps me relieve, relieve some tra- stress. So he starts smoking. And before you realize it, he's now controlled by that. Whether it is stress or not, he still has to smoke. And so because we are driven by these things, we eventually end up as slaves in our lives. Listen to some things the Bible says. Proverbs 21 verse 17. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The Bible is not against enjoying the good things God has created. It's, it's, it's for our good. But if my whole purpose in life is to live for pleasures... It's only going to ruin my life. It's only going to be detrimental. It'll lead me to poverty. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 2.1. He said, you know, I said to my heart, come now, I will test you with mouth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. Meaning, pleasure in itself doesn't satisfy. It's vain. It's empty. It leaves you empty, dissatisfied. Proverbs 14 verse 12 warns us there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It looks right for the moment, but results in death. Another reason why many of us end up as slaves is because we live in denial. We talked about this a little bit last Sunday. We, we refuse to acknowledge that we are actually losing our freedom. We deny that. I don't even notice I'm lying. The way I think and the way I reason and the way I tell when things I tell people, that's denial. I don't even notice that I'm lying. I'm not accepting the truth. Dr. David Hawkins in his book, Breaking Everyday Addictions, he lists several different ways that we deny. And I think it's nice for us to hear this. Rationalization. We explain away something that is irrational as rational. You know, Checking your phone every five minutes. I mean, if you look at it from a distance, that'd be, that's strange. But this irrational behavior, we explain it as, well. it's okay, I just need to keep in touch with the world. 
or something like that. We, we have our reasons. We explain away what's irrational as rational. Or take, for example, an uncontrolled temper. You, you lose your temper so easily and then explain it away saying, you know, that's just my way of reacting to things. We rationalize our behavior. Justification is another way we live in denial. What is wrong, we make it look right. We justify it. Talk to a man who's living in adultery or a, a man or a woman who's having an extramarital affair. They justify their wrong. They say, you know, if my husband would satisfy me or if my wife would satisfy me, I would never be, need to do this. So I'm just finding satisfaction elsewhere to justify what they're doing. Minimization. We insist that it's not really a problem. A workaholic may be working 12, 14, 15 hours a day while his, the world around him is collapsing and he says, no, 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 I need to do this. And that problem is not really that big of a deal. And, and, and we minimize the effect of what's happening. All the family disintegrates, the kids are lost and, and so on. Procrastination is another way we deny facing up to where we are. Now we deal with it later. Think about the guy who's hiding the smoke or drink. He says, you know, when I'm in my 40s, then I will quit it. But by the time he reaches his 40s, he's like double slave. Can't quit. Procrastinates it, puts it off for a later time. Victimization. We say, I'm actually suffering because of someone else. If my grandfather was not a drunkard, and my father wasn't, was not a drunkard, I would not have ended up like this. We, 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 we say, I'm a victim of this. Or whatever, so many different things that we could come up with. I'm a victim. That's why I'm like this. Or maybe I was abused as a child. That's why I'm living like this the way I am today. It's true that may have happened. I'm not diminishing the impact of abuse in your early days, but that is still not an excuse for the wrong we do, we get ourselves into. Blame. Blame others. It's their fault that I'm doing this. Just a way to deny. Although we make lots of ex other excuses, many other reasons. The fact is that if I live in denial, it's only a temporary escape. But in the process, I'm only getting further into my prison. Lastly, the reason many of us remain enslaved is simply because we feel we've gone so far. That we can't come out. We seem powerless in ourselves to break free. Bible talks about this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. It says that they may come to the senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. There's a snare that the devil puts out. He wants us all trapped in it. He wants to take us captive, hold us prisoners.
let's talk a little bit about what these prisons do to us. What do these prisons do to us? As we sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly walk into these prisons in our lives, what do they actually do to us? Here's some things I put down. They first of all limit our true potential. God has designed you for great things. But then when you find yourself in a prison, you and I fail to reach our true potential. We fail to go up to where God wants us to be. We settle for something much lower and think this is all there is that we can achieve. But really, it's not that God is keeping us there, but it's our prisons that are holding us down and preventing us from reaching our full potential that God designed for us. We waste away slowly but steadily. Imagine taking a man with great talent and locking up him up in a cell for 25, 30 years. What happens? He's got great talent. He's got great potential. He can do great things. But the problem is he's locked up in a prison. What's, what's he going to do? He's just going to waste away. All the talent is going to be wasted. Slowly, steadily. That's what happened to us living in these prisons. It robs us of our destiny. How many great men and women, especially in the entertainment world, or in some cases even in other arenas where they rise up to great heights and uh, it seems like they're going to achieve great things, but next thing you hear about is they've taken their own life, they've gone. Or they wasted of everything that they that came into their lives. Life suddenly became meaningless, hopeless as they found themselves trapped in prisons they couldn't come out of. And so they forfeited their destiny, the future that God had for them. So this morning, I want to invite you and I to face up with reality. That's the first step for you and me to walk out of our prisons. And there is no shame in facing up to this. To admitting that this is where I really am. There are prisons in my life, but I'm actually a captive. There's nothing wrong. In fact, it's necessary for you and I to do that. You know, this prison didn't just come upon me suddenly. You and I, we walked into that slowly and slowly until one day we realized that the gates behind us were closed and we could no longer escape. The first step to getting out of it is to realize that I am in a prison. I am in a place where I need help. Whatever your prison is, the prisons are, you and I need to face up to it. Like the Bible says, we need to come to our senses. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 26. That they may come to their senses. Come to a place where you say, yes, I am. In a prison or prisons in my life. So what is your prison? Now I've tried to put down a view. Is adultery a prison that you're living in? The reason I'm bringing this up is because I've been hearing so much about this these days.
Proverbs chapter 6, verses 27 to 29. And again, verse 32 says, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Is that a prison you find yourself in? Is pornography a prison? For many of us, man, this is an area we struggle with. Is it lust for the opposite sex? Is it some kind of a substance you're dependent on drinking and drugs and smoking? Is it lying, cheating, stealing? We find ourselves imprisoned by these things. You say, I know, I don't lie. No, 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 but think about what you do in the office. I mean, those financial reports you submit, or the sales reports you submit, are they accurate? But I need to do that. No, you don't need to do that. What about power, control, manipulation? Are we addicted to this? We always want to be in charge. They want to let others come up and take their place. Insecure. So we want to control, we want to manipulate. What about money, wealth, and riches? There's nothing wrong in being successful. Nothing wrong in being blessed. But if it controls you, if you're unwilling to let it go, then you need to. That means it's controlling you and me. What about laziness? Just unwilling to work hard. What about a violent temper or uncontrolled tongue? Maybe it's a prison we haven't listed here, but you realize it. That you're being controlled and you need to break out. The good news is our chains can be broken. Amen? Our chains can be broken. And Jesus came for this very purpose. He came to set us free. That was one of his mission statements. One of the things he said in his mission statement and I'm quoting from the Old Testament version of this in Isaiah 61, verse 1. Jesus said, as he quoted, quoted from it, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He said he came to proclaim liberty to the captives. To announce the opening of the prison to those who are bound. That's why he came. Obviously, he's not talking about some sort of a political prison or a jail. He's talking about prisons that sin and Satan have brought upon us. And he's here to set us free. He came for that purpose. Isaiah 42 verse 7 says, the Lord declares that he opens blind eyes. He brings out prisoners from the prison. Those who sit in darkness from the prisoner. He brings out prisoners from the prison. This morning, 
God can bring you and me out of our prisons. He can walk with us through those prison doors into liberty, into freedom. He can do it. He will do it. He desires to do these things for us. Jesus not only died on the cross to bear the punishment of our sins so that we could be reconciled to God, but he also broke the power of sin so that you and I could live a life of liberty from sin, from Satan. He came to set us free. He came to give us a life where we could be free, not controlled by sin and Satan. You know, we sell ourselves to the devil who steals, kills, and ruins our lives. But Jesus came for this very purpose, to set the captives free. And Jesus is the only one who does that. Now, he didn't just give us a new philosophy and say, okay, here, try to think about this, meditate on this, and see if it, you know, makes you a new person. He didn't come to give us a new religion. He didn't come to give us a, a new school of thought. Jesus is the only one who can break the power of sin over our lives. I mean, you look across our nation, you probably read it often in the newspaper. Some God man who has a following of a million people. He may deliver great speeches and and build great ashrams and build his empire. But suddenly at some point you realize he's been living a life of promiscuity. Is he really free? Does he have the power to set people free? No. Jesus Christ is the only one who can set us free from the power and the dominion of sin and Satan. He's the only one who can break those bondages and break those chains and liberate us and bring us into a life where we will be really free. There's a new life that's awaiting you and I, you and me. We don't have to be prisoners. We know this verse of scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I'll make you a brand new person on the inside. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's our God. He says in Revelation 21 verse 5, Behold, I make all things new. I realize he's talking in a much bigger sense, but I believe it applies to us as individuals. Even in our lives, he makes all things new. He can do it. No matter how much we've messed up, no matter how big a slave we might have become, he makes all things new. Romans 6 and verse 4 says that Just as Jesus was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Perhaps the greatest evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the transformation of a life. For a man or a woman living in such sin and in bondage suddenly begins to walk in newness of life. And you say, I know that person. I know what kind of a person he or she was. But look what's happened. They are brand new. And this is evidence that Jesus Christ has indeed risen up from the dead. 
Just as Jesus was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we get to walk in newness of life. A dead man cannot change lives, but a living Jesus does. Amen. The fact that your life and mine are so changed that we walk in newness of life is evidence to the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and he still sets the captives free. I like what Paul writes to the Corinthians. He enumerates all their past. He says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, adulterers, nor homosexuals, or sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. He's saying, guys, I know that some of us came from these kinds of backgrounds. We were those kinds of people. Such were some of you. But here's the beautiful thing. But now you are washed. You're clean. You're sanctified. You're made holy. You're justified. There is no condemnation in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So it doesn't matter what, the, what your history is. I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of our God, that history can forever be all things that pass away. And all things can become new for you and me. Today, I want to invite you and me. To walk out of our presence. Psalm 146 verse 7 says that God executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He gives freedom to the prisoners. He gives freedom to the prisoners. You and, you and I can walk out of our presence today. But I want to present to you four things, four important steps if you will. To walk out of our prison. Number one, we must receive his empowering. It's not a matter of our determination. It's not a matter of me trying to make up my mind and put up a great resolve about this. It's about his mercy, his grace working in your life and mine. It's his grace that breaks every chain. But I must come to him and say, Lord, I want your mercy. I want your grace. I'm willing to face up to the fact that I might be in bondage to several things in my life. I want to be free. I come to you to receive mercy and grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Come boldly. Receive mercy, receive grace. It's his empowering to help us walk out of our prisons. Number two, we must cut off. Must break away from our attachments. This is a painful part, but we have to do it. 
It's not enough to say, God, set me free from drinking or smoking. But I'll just keep a little pack of cigarettes. I'll just do one a day, God. What's the point? Do you want to be free? Or you don't want to be free? Go home. Take all those packs of cigarettes and burn it up or throw it in the garbage. Put all that liquor down the drain. Say, but I paid good money for it. Yeah. Good money for your own prison. But you need to cut off. And this is where things are painful. But he gives you the empowering to do it. Because whatever you, you and I tolerate will dominate. Even a little bit is enough for the devil to get a foothold. Jesus put it in no uncertain terms. In Matthew 5, 29, verse 30, he said, If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out ouch, and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. In other words, he's saying, listen, this is the kind of severity with which you've got to deal with things that cause you to sin. Cut it off. But it's going to be difficult. That's why he said, cut it. It's painful. But whatever he commands, he also gives the empowering to do. Will you have the courage to obey? Will you have the guts to obey? Number three, we must come out. Come out of that environment that's holding you as a prisoner. If it's a group of people that you've been hanging out with and spending so much time and, and they've been leading you into this prison, come out. So, but I don't want to lose my friends. But your friends are keeping you in prison. So come out. Must be willing to go through pain temporarily in order to receive the reward of being permanently set free. This is temporarily painful, it's true. But you're going to be permanently set free. Think of that. Come out of it. You know these sayings, no pain, no gain, no guts, no glory. To have some guts. Come out. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 17, the Lord says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I'll receive you. This is not to say that we disconnect from the world, but we maintain a distance, especially when it comes to the areas of sin, things that enslave us. And lastly, we must walk daily in freedom. We must walk daily in freedom. Now, for those of us who look in our lives and say, you know, I thank God I'm free in every area of my life. That's wonderful. But the Bible also says, let him who, who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
Meaning my walk in freedom is a daily walk. Every day I walk cautiously, making sure I don't give any room for the enemy to ensnare me and make me a captive. I have to do this daily. I have to walk in freedom daily. Day, one day at a time. We must do that. Walk daily in freedom. God will give us the grace to do this. Ephesians 5 and verse 8 says, You were once darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. Don't go back to living in darkness. Maintain freedom. We're going to take some time this morning to respond to the word of God. I don't know what prison or perhaps prisons that might be enslaving you and me today. I don't know what prisons. If you're free in every area of life, thank God for it, that he's brought you to this place. Where his grace truly has worked in you to set you free. Thank him for it. But it's quite possible, standing here in this hall, there are those amongst us who recognize that we are actually enslaved. Perhaps in one area, maybe in more areas of our lives. You know that you're re really not free in that area of your life. And if the Lord is speaking to you this morning, just putting his finger on a certain area of your life, would you take a moment, please, to respond and say, God, you came for this very purpose, to proclaim liberty to the captives. You came for this. You gave your life for this. To open the prison doors and announce to the prisoners they can't be free. You came for this very thing. Lord, this morning, I choose to come out of denial. I choose to face up to reality, to what's happening in my life. I've sold myself as a slave. I seem powerless to come out. I seem powerless, helpless, Lord, to come out. But I come to you, Jesus, the true liberator, the one who has the power to open up the prison doors and walk me out into freedom. The one who died on the cross to break the power of sin over my life to bring me out of Satan's clutches and set me free. In his name, in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Father, we just pray that chains will be broken in this place. We just pray, God, that prisoners will come out of their prisons. And you will leave them out. 
Come, Holy Spirit, remove every burden, break every yoke of the enemy off of our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. And I take authority over every devil that holds people snared, captive. And I announce to you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, loose them. Take your hands off of them. Release them. And I announce their freedom in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, whatever chain it is, let it be broken. I pray that as we walk out of the doors this morning, we'll walk out to live in newness of life. Empowered by your grace to cut off, to come out, and to walk in our liberty. Jesus is in our midst. He is the one who's setting the captives free. He is the one who's opening the prison doors. He's the one who breaks every chain. So Jesus, we thank you for what you have done, what you are doing in our midst for us. Amen. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should walk in newness of life. Amen. We walk in this new life of liberty, of freedom. Where nothing holds us slaves or captives. Before we close, could we just pray, please, if you just bow your head with me. If there's anyone here, you've maybe this is your first time to church, or maybe you've gone to church several times, but you never prayed and asked the Lord Jesus to come into your heart, to forgive your sins and make you a child of God. If I were to ask you the question, are you a child of God, you would be unsure. You wouldn't know. Is anyone here like that? I want to give an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ into your life. The Bible says, as many as who received him, to them he gives the power to become the children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. So if you've never made a decision to receive Jesus into your life and ask him to forgive you, make you a child of God, to make you a new person. If you've never done that before in your life, I want to invite you to do that. It's very simple. You just need to say a prayer and ask Him. Welcome Him into your life and hand over the rulership and the lordship of your life to Him. If you would like to do that, I want to lead you in a simple prayer right now. You could just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, 
come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me a child of God. Make me a new person. Help me to follow you. You alone. The rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.